Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Use the promo code HBSports to get 20% off your order. We all know that the male testicles are some of the hardest places to shave on the male body. But with Manscaped, no more nicks, no more bloody messes, okay? They call it the Lawn Mower 3.0. It is a professional ball hair shaver. Manscaped has locked up scientists in a lab for the past 18 months, and they have perfected the ball hair trimmer. It's waterproof. You can charge it for up to 90 minutes. Take it on the road with you. Listen, gentlemen, this is how you get ahead in life. You have to start taking care of the little details. Remember... Use the promo code HBSports to get 20% off your order. Head on over to the website now, manscaped.com, and start getting ahead. Today on the High Button Podcast, we have Alex Ryan. Alex is the head equipment manager for the Halifax Mooseheads. He was previously the equipment manager for St. Avex, St. John, and Valdor. I'm excited to talk to Alex here on the podcast today. They say that the equipment managers are a different breed. They do everything to make a hockey team run successfully behind the scenes, and that's what this podcast is all about, stories behind the scenes and what goes on behind the scenes, essentially. So it's going to be a great podcast with Alex today. I'm very excited to have him on the show, especially the fact that he works for the Halifax Mooseheads here right in our backyard, one of the most prestigious organizations in the CHL, and the quality of you know, the detail that is put into what he does in order to make the players within that organization happy. Like I've said before, I've had a stint with the Mooseheads, and the attention to detail is crazy. And right now, Alex is that individual who is, you know, making sure that attention to detail is on point. So nonetheless, going to be a great podcast. I'm Justin. We're talking to Alex. This is the High Button Podcast. Here we go. You know what comes next. All right, Alex, we are going. We are going, yeah. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm awesome. Thanks for coming. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's great. Thanks for having me. I'm really honored to be here. It's I, awesome. I Just get them like a little bit. There you yep, go. There we go. I remember when I played hockey and the, one of the first lessons I ever learned in junior hockey was to always treat the, the training staff with respect. They do so much for you behind the scenes that you don't even notice. And as I was going you know, forward in junior, I, I paid attention a little bit more. My trainer, his name was Breaker, great equipment manager. And uh, I always noticed the little things that he did after my first year, just paying attention to how long he was staying after the game, the little things that he did. And I couldn't imagine the little things and the, and the attention to detail that you're doing at the CHL level, especially with the Mooseheads, such a prestigious organization. We'll get into that, but let's start with, you know, how, how do you fall into a position like, like you're in? How, how, do you get, how do you get involved in it? Yeah, that's a uh, that's a pretty good question. It kind of like I was uh, I was very lucky. I kind of just like fumbled my way into this. It's kind of funny how it happened. <laughs> uh, I was uh, I never played growing up really, right? Yeah. Like big hockey passion, like massive. Like there wasn't a Saturday night that I didn't watch the Leafs with my dad, right? Yeah. Like it was just always on in our house. My dad's a massive Leafs fan. It was just we were we were a hockey house, but no, like no one played. It was just kind of funny how it worked out that way. Yeah, but. Uh, when I was in high school, when I was in grade 11, uh, the high school hockey team at my high school in New Brunswick was like, they had gone through a few years of being kind of like not up to par with what the town would expect from that team. Okay. They had been, in the early 2000s and mid-2000s, they were a force in like New Brunswick high school hockey, right? Okay. And they just, there was a few years there where it just kind of slipped, right? And it just wasn't the same kind of quality and yeah. they weren't really doing anything. They weren't winning and yeah. stuff. and. When I was in grade 11, there was a pretty big movement because minor midget hockey kind of like collapsed in New Brunswick. 
right? There was a minor midget league, like under your major midget. When was this? 2013 or 14, like okay. within our region, it kind of collapsed. There was okay. a Northwestern Bulls team that kind of operated out of like Edmonston. The dehumidifier's on. I got to turn it off. Just one second. No worries. Mess up yep. the mics. No worries. That's what cut and paste is for, right? Yeah, I'll probably just keep this in. Yeah. Okay, sorry, I keep going. So 2014, the league went through a dry spell. Well, it was probably more 2012 because that's when we kind of started and there there had been a coaching staff and stuff. And what happened was our vice principal of the school, Derek O'Leary, and one of our teachers, Mike Fletcher, decided they were going to take the program back over. Love right? It. They took it over and they overhauled it. New jerseys, new look, like we were a new dressing room. Like it was going to be a whole overhaul of the yeah. whole program. Yeah. And with this minor midget team that had been in like the Edmonston region had kind of like shut down operations all those players that were from our area decided they were just going to play high school hockey that year so our team went from like uh, yeah i'm trying to be like nice about this but it went from like a team of like those guys that couldn't make that level yeah to a te- like a team that could very well have competed in a minor midget league yeah like we ended up being pretty good and all my buddies played on the team like all of them had played on that minor midget team yeah. and were coming back to play high school high school I love that. High school was some of the best years of hockey in my life. Unreal. The girls are there. Yep. And all your teammates or all your like classmates are there. It's all your best friends. Best right? friends. Like and like especially when you're good too. Like yeah, we exactly. were we ended up being good and yeah. you end up being like the talk, right? And love it's it. like small town, it. like it's a good feel, right? And you and said Edmonston this is in? No, this is in Woodstock. Woodstock, Woodstock New okay. Brunswick, where the slammers used to play. Jesus, I hated the playing. <laughs> yeah, there. the Civic Center yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, that good old rink. Yeah. Uh the green seats. The green seats, yeah, yeah on one side. On the road on the drive there, we just talk about how much money they had like all oh, these guys are good they got all the money it would be yeah. like an eight hour drive there be like oh it's yeah. good here the money's here yeah it's it was it was a good it's a good hockey town man it's a great yeah. hockey town uh it's a shame that the slammers aren't there anymore but uh they uh so yeah that we they uh took that over and all my buddies were going to play for the team and they said at the first meeting like if anybody knows anyone that loves hockey that wants to be the manager for this team like we're looking for somebody like yeah like come on and yeah that was at lunchtime and I had class like the next period I remember with all my buddies and they were like, dude, like you got to get in on this. Like, this is so perfect for you. Like, yeah. And that's where it started. I signed up and like, it was high school. So it's like a little more minimal than what I do now. Like I was mostly doing like water bottles and like, you got to start I was on the yeah. bench, like opening the door for the change, doing the social media. Like I was doing everything right. It was crazy, but it was so much fun. It was like a great time. Right. And it was kind of where I started and at that time, you're not thinking anything of it. Like, I'm like, this is two years of fun, grade 11 and 12. We're going to be good. I tell my buddies that I'm never doing this again. Right? <laughs> like, that's what you're thinking in your head. Like, I was, like, in a totally different frame of mind. Like, you're going to university after grade 12, and, like, you don't know what you want to do. Like, I was, like, 16 and 17 years old. Like, yeah. I have no idea, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so then basically what happened was that all ended, and I graduated from high school. Yeah. and. I uh, was accepted to St. FX, and I went to St. FX, and on the very first day at X, I'll never forget this, it was like registration day, so we're like in the Keating Center, which is like the rank at St. FX, yep. and uh, I'm in line to go like register for my courses and everything, Yeah. and on the box office window, it's me and my dad in line, on the box office window, there's a sign like post there that says X-Men Hockey is looking for a student equipment manager. No. Oh, yeah. Talk about meant to be almost. Like, weird, eh? It's wild. That's weird. So I'm in line, and I kind of see that, and I'm like, okay, cool. And I mentioned it to my dad, and my dad was like, dude, like, go get one of the, like, slips, and, like, you should email them and sign up. Me, at that time, 18 years old, first day of university, everyone knows where my mindset was. (laughs) No chance that's happening, right? Like, no way am I doing that. So you do the first two or three days of Frosh Week, right? 
which was a fun time. St. FX is a great place. And uh, <laughs> we, uh, so then I thought, like, it was like the Thursday. And I'm sitting there, and like, I was a really involved student in high school. I yeah. did everything. Like, I was in every activity you could think of. That was me. I was that guy. Right? Good for you, because most kids aren't. And oh, that, I was. That, I did that, everything. That I was social in, skills. I was in the choir. I did musical theater. I was in a band. Like, I did everything, right? And uh, a bunch of different committees. But then, like, the Thursday, I was like, man, like, you did all this stuff in high school. You got to do something while you're here. If you don't, you're, like, your life will be, like, like if you're not going to have any activity, I'm just going to do school. Like, there's going to be no, like, enjoyment, like, fun stuff almost, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So then I finally emailed. Aaron King was the assistant coach of the team at the time. He was my head coach or assistant coach when I played for the Max. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's great a small guy. world. Yeah, great yeah. guy. So I emailed him, and I said, man, I'd be interested. And I met him at the rink that night, and then I met Brad Peddle the next morning, and away we went. No way. Yeah, that's how it went. It was crazy. I didn't even know how to sharpen skates. No no way. No, not so a- how Kinger taught me. He, Kinger taught you how to sharpen Kinger skates. Kinger taught me how to sharpen skates at first, yeah. Like, he was the first guy, the first time I was ever on a machine, Aaron King was stood behind me, like, watching me, because he had worked at pro hockey life. Wait a second. Wait a second. So you're an equipment manager for, the in, ex- in the AUS, the Saint effect, the team. historic St. FX hockey yeah, team. No idea. And you don't know how to sharpen nope, skates. they were going to teach me. I was gung-ho for it. I was like, yep, absolutely, let's go. They taught me, and it was like... Talk about being thrown in the fire. I was going to say. Right? Like, I got, like, a week of lessons, and then it was full-blown, you're doing the boys' skates. <laughs> the boys are like, yeah, Alex, we need a three-fourths cut. Well. You're like, all right, yeah, sure, I'll get that to you. You're like, you barely even know what it is, yeah, exactly. right? <laughs> and, uh, like, the craziest part of it, too, like, I'm, like, 18 years old. Full-on, fresh, like, full freshman, yeah. 18 years old. Youngest guy on this team is 21, right? They all played five years of junior. So, like, I'm a kid compared to these guys, right? Yeah. Like, a kid. Yeah. Like, our captain was Rob Slaney, who had played a few years in the AHL and had played for Cape Breton back in the day. He was, like, 26 years old, right? Jesus. Like, it was, it was Michael, intimidating. Michael Kirkpatrick, who had played for the Sea Dogs back in the day when they won the Memorial Cup in 2011. I remember him playing for the Dogs when I was a kid growing up in New Brunswick, right? Like, it was, like, it was wild. And, like, Trey Lewis is there and Brad Kuzner and, like, all these guys. And Okay, so that's why all these guys were liking the tweet yesterday. I was like, how do they know Alex? Okay, Yeah, so they were sense. all there with uh, at St. FX when I first started and like I kind of had I had a connection to Cuzzy and to Louie right off the hop because my cousin Andrew Ryan had played here for the Mooseheads when they won the Memorial Cup I played a little bit with him when so I was there, Andrew bit, would yeah. be my cousin right oh, okay. so they know each other and like they were all buddies and good friends yeah. so like that kind of helped me kind of get in with that team too because Cuzzy and Louie were pretty good to be like what's going on Alex and stuff like that and that's where my nickname came from too I have the same nickname as Andrew it just uh, <laughs> came from Trey and Cause the A-Rai just became the thing. I don't even know when it started, but it's just continued to it. this day, right? I love it. And, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, like, I didn't, I had no idea. Had a, like, I had no idea what I was doing. It's like, looking back on it, it's like crazy that I was even at that level doing it like this. But they had a ton of faith in me. Like, Brad Peddle and Aaron King at that time put so much faith into me that I would get to the point where they wanted me to. So then right? what do you think it was that it made them have so much faith in you? Was it your interview process? Was it your personality? Was it the fact that you were involved in so many things and you know how to communicate with people? Because communication is a big part in Dude, your job. I think it was a combination of those things. And like, I was super like gung ho to do it. Right. Like they'd had a lot of students in the past who would like do it, but like they'd just show up like for practice Hung and like over. leave yeah. and stuff like that. And I took it very, like I was like practice at five 30. I was there at three, two 30. No one told me to do that. But, but why, though? Why, that's my, why did you show up that early? Because you loved it that I much. I loved it, and 
what I did is like I wanted to learn, right? So like I would pick the brains of the players a lot. So what would you ask them? What their trainers and junior did. Like how did your junior trainer do things? Like what how did it work? Like what did you guys do? I was watching YouTube videos, like all those behind the scenes videos of NHL guys. I've watched every single one. Of them, I watched right? them too. There's some good ones. Oh, you there's see some the, great the ones. The Chicago one's the best one. Chicago one's when, good, and the one the Leafs just did is pretty good too. In the Papano and all those guys. Yeah. yeah. And there's a good one of the bubble and there's a bunch of the good ones, and Minnesota has a good one too, but there's uh Into the Wild, it's called or something yeah, like that. There's a lot yeah. of cool uh videos like that, and I was watching them all and yeah. following all these guys on Twitter, seeing everything that they were doing. I was learning whatever I could, like taught myself how to sew and taught myself how to use a riveter and taught myself like all this stuff, right? Started like studying stick catalogs and everything, learning curves and lies and flexes and like the different kick points of the sticks and like no way. well, like I was I decided like if I'm gonna do this, I'm not I'm not half assing this, yeah. right? Like I'm not a person who does that. I like to do things well and I like to do them like the way they should be done. So I was just, I buckled down and just started getting good at it. And we had a, it was what an experience that first year was too, because we hosted the national championship. Where was the national? Scotiabank oh, Center. Scotiabank Center. Yeah. yeah. So we hosted the national so championship. So what year would that have been? That would have been 2014, 2015. Wow. Yeah. First year hosting the national championship. Yeah. Good for you. So I got in and it was just like, we were, we were a pretty good team. It was like, I was there for four really, really good solid years of St. FX. Like we went to nationals all four years I was there. We won two AUS championships. Like yeah. it just worked out, right? And that first team was like a bunch of like older guys and like veteran guys. And it was just it was a really good learning experience because like those like one of the best stories that I can remember. Like the first day that I'm doing this the skates for the boys, right? Like this is like September, like the middle of September. I've been working on the machine for like a week, week and a half with Kinger. And it's finally like, here you go. Like, go. So I only do one pair, right? And Kinger's doing, like, all the other guys until I'm, like, fully ready to go, right? I do Brent Turnbull's skates, who would be Blair's brother. He played in the queue for four or five years, and I had him at X the entire time I was there. Like, at the time, I didn't know him that well. So, like, you kind of know his reputation on the ice, and you're a little bit intimidated by the guy. He's older than you. He's a big guy and stuff. And but looking back on it, probably the best guy that I could have done right off the hop because <laughs> he's just a nice, nice guy. He's a beauty, right? I and uh, I just remember doing the skates. And he puts them on and goes out for practice. And, like, I'm watching practice, and I'm like, can't be that bad. Like, he's not falling down <laughs> and, like, stuff. Like, this is where I'm at, right? Yeah, he's yeah, not falling yeah. down and stuff. And uh, he comes off the ice, and I just looked at him, and I go, Turnsy, like, how was it? Like, were they good? And he just like shakes his head like, nope. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, oh great, right? <laughs> but like, that was like, but you know what? A lot of guys would have just been like, fuck this, right? Like, yeah. I'm not doing this, right? And uh, I didn't. I was just like, you know what? I'll just keep working at it and working at it and working at it. It's one of those things, like the more and more and more and more you do it, you're going to get better. Like, you're going to figure out how things work. And then eventually, like, to after that first year, after that first year, like, I kind of was starting to go like, man, like maybe I like this could be like maybe something that I want to pursue, right? I enjoy after that first year. You after that really, first year wow, at X, it was wow. when I really like really kind of thought about it. Yeah. I was like, maybe like so. I switched programs in my degree. What did you switch to? Kinesiology. Okay, right. I kind of thought maybe like a sports yep. background would be more fitting to a yep. kin degree. Uh, I was just in general arts part of that with uh, my minors in music. So I was taking a lot of music courses. But Trainers uh, need to know how to play music in the room? Man, that's right. Well, yeah. I don't DJ the tunes because the boys wouldn't like a lot of the class. Who's cla- the DJ in the room? Uh, Horvath, usually. Horvath, yeah. okay. And he plays all that, like, uh, 
I don't know, like that stuff, like that rap and like Trap, EDM, yeah. like crazy stuff. And like, I'm like a classic rock, alternative rock guy. So like my music wouldn't really fly in the room, I don't think. But All right. um, so after that first year, I kind of like, that's when I was kind of like, you know, like, I think maybe this would be kind of cool. So I switched programs and I talked to Pedal about it because Kinger, Kinger had left and Kinger was going to work for the Wildcats. Yeah. So then I had, it was like Peds was bringing in a new staff basically outside of like him and Dave Stewart. He brought in Sean Donovan and Brian Casey. Okay. And uh, I talked to Peds and I was like, man, like, I think this is what I want to do. Like, I really want to buckle down and like really try to make something of this. Right. So he, uh, what he did is he was really good friends with Dave Kelly, DK, yeah. who worked in St. John with Sea Dogs. Yeah. So uh, he calls DK and basically was like, man, I got this kid here. He's 19. He wants to do this he wants to learn like anything you could do for him so dk brought me down to st john and i did the entire first week of their training camp with them no way. in august of 2015 no way and the amount of stuff that i learned in that week like i still use it give, to me, this an, give me an example of something that you learned so the like i remember the biggest thing was just like presentation of the room you know what i mean like that's a huge aspect of our job and like that first year like I'm like room always look good on game day. Don't get me wrong, but like not to the level that I can do it now. Right. Like you just learn little, little things, right? Like something as simple as like tucking the chin straps up so that the chin straps aren't hanging down over name bars. Oh, that's a vet move right there. Right? I, the, I would never like that one or like elbow pads and shin pads all face the same direction, like straightening up the stalls after the boys. Like yeah. when I was first starting, like you don't know. Right. So like the boys would just throw the gear in the stalls and like, yeah it'd be close enough and that was it right yeah. like it's where you want the gear to be put but like you're not going around doing anything to it now yeah. it's like uh, boys the boys make fun of me because i'm like so like anal about it like i'm going around each stall like elbow pads have to be in the right spot and like shin pads have to be in the right spot and like they all face the same direction and like it's just the, it's the little attention to detail things that make you really good at this job right and that's where i learned it f was like at that week because i remember the first like first day dk basically tells me like Going to the room and straighten up, straighten up room three, which has like all the vets in it, right? Okay. That room's a mess. Like, it's just like how it goes. It's hockey, right? And uh, I go in and straighten it up and he just walked in. He goes, nope, redo it. And I was like, okay, what did I do wrong? And he tells me everything I do wrong. So then I redo it. Yeah. He comes in, perfect. This is what it should look like every day this week. So then you get into that routine of doing it there. And then I went back that year to St. FX and like all the players were like, dude, like what happened? Like, you're like a full, like you're a totally different trainer now. Wow. Like, like completely different. And he, we worked on skate sharpening a lot that week too. Yeah. We changed a couple of the like things in my technique yeah. that like DK sharpened skates forever. Right. So we he basically, he just had me put a skate on. Yeah. Like I put it on the holder and he had me start going and he stops me and he was like, okay, we're going to change this, 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 and this. Yeah. And I changed it, and I still sharpen skates like that. Like, one thing that I was doing, I was sharpening heel to toe. Now I sharpen toe to heel, right? Wow. And, like, small stuff like that. like And little alterations that he made to, like, me as an equipment manager, basically. And he remained, like, right up until he died, rest his soul. He uh, remained, like, a very huge mentor to me. Like, he was a guy, like, if I had questions about how to do things or, like, what I should do, always asked him. That's right? awesome. He was a great guy in that sense. And so, yeah, I helped out with him. And then we came back that next year which would have been 15, 16, our team was loaded. We were stacked. Yeah. And, like, we were a favorite right from the hop, right? And it's a lot of pressure that goes into that when you know that you're <laughs> going to be a real high-end team, right? And we had a big recruiting class. We brought in a lot of big-name guys, and we went out that year, and we were we were really good. That was a really fun year. Like, 15, 16 might have been my favorite year at yeah. St. FX. It was a great year. Uh, we finished second in the league. We had the bye through the first round. Yeah. 
Uh, we beat SMU in the semis, and then we beat UMB in the final one, the AUS. Wow. Went to the national championship that year. Where was nationals that Here year? Here again. SMU was the host Dude. that year. Yeah. And we lost the national championship game to UMB. Yeah. It was a – what a ride that was, though. What a year. It was – Wow. And by the end of that year, like, I even had players looking at me and being like, dude, you could do this, like, for sure. Yeah. Like, you keep getting better and, like, you will do something with this. And that became the motivation, right? So you just keep plugging away and trying to get better. And then I started getting involved with Hockey New Brunswick a lot and working with their high-performance teams, going to the Atlantic Challenge Cup, going to the Gatorade, the QMJHL Gatorade Challenge in Quebec every year. Yeah, I did Team Atlantic Girls U18 at the national championship level, yeah. which was a loaded team, Mae Batherson, Josie Chisholm, like big, like high-end team. It was like we beat Ontario that year. It was the first time Team Atlantic had ever beat Ontario. Really? It was crazy. Yeah. Wow. What an upset it was. It was wild. And uh, so then I kept doing that and working at X and uh, then a couple like fill-in jobs kind of ended up happening in the queue. I ended up going to St. John for a bit and filling in when DK got really sick yeah. there in 2016. And that was an experience to go do your first Q game. Was Highmore on the team that year? Yeah, that was that year with yeah. like Smallman and Imama and yeah. Highmore and Shabbat and Zaboral and like, yeah, you guys the, were big dogs. Back they then. were loaded, yeah, and yeah. I came in for. I ended up doing two games with them, and I was there for about a week. Uh, I remember the bus picked me up at Saint FX on their way to Cape Breton for a game. Yeah. It was like I couldn't believe. Like it felt like you were a call up almost, yeah. right? Like it was crazy, <laughs> and uh, I couldn't. Like I was so nervous going into it. Like your first Q game, you're on like with like the number one team in the league yeah. too, right? Like I'm just you're thinking like, wow, this is nuts. And uh, it was good though. Like that was a good experience, and then. The next year, Chris McDonald, who was the equipment manager here for a long time in Halifax, he went to the World Juniors, and he was going to be gone for a month, the entire month of December. So he called me and asked me if I wanted to fill in for him while he was gone. So I came here and ended up doing 12 games with the Moose and was here for like a month with them in 2017. And okay. like that was when uh, Zadina, the year Zadina yeah. was here. Yeah. And, uh, and Midge I, was coaching that Midge too. was yeah. coaching, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, uh yeah i came and filled in that year and just for like a month but it was like i th it ended up being a really good thing because it established relationships with all the guys that work here right yeah. and then from there i graduated i ended up leaving i was done at saint effects and uh went to valdor i got hired in valdor yeah crazy yeah it was wild i got hired at the gatorade challenge uh, <laughs> Did you? with valdor yeah i was there with hockey new brunswick's team and uh they were looking for a guy and actually macker chris mcdonald had called me and so did Robin, who's our therapist here, and was, was just like, they knew I was looking. Yeah. And they both called me and they were like, hey, like Valdor's job is open. Like, like we'll call, like we'll talk to the therapist and see if we can talk, yeah. get him to talk to you. So they talked to the therapist, the therapist, Donovan, Della Rosville, one of my best friends now to this day. He calls me, asks me a couple questions. Next thing I know, like two hours later, I'm meeting with the assistant GM in the stands in Blainville. And then I met with the GM and the assistant GM about two hours later, and then I had the job. No like, way. I went from 9 a.m. to, like, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I got hired. Dude, crazy. you're just falling into positions. It's hey, weird, just, eh? It just, I've lucked into a lot of stuff. I say, like, 90% of my career is all luck so far. But it's, it's just worked out, right? And uh, I fell into that position. And, like, I didn't think they were going to hire me. Like, small, remote French place like that. I don't speak yeah. a word of French. Not really? a word. Nope. Zero. Like, nothing. Like, well, like, enough now because I lived there for a year. I can probably, yeah. I can survive. Yeah. But, like... Yeah, like I didn't really expect. Like I always kind of thought if I'm going to get a job, it's going to be in the Maritimes or I'm going to have to go to the OHL or the WHL just because of the French thing, right? Yeah. 
and the maritime jobs never open. Like guys get yeah. these positions and they lock in unless they go up they like to the pro levels, yeah. they don't leave. So I was just like, I, that's why I wasn't going to wait around. I took the first opportunity that came. And I think that's something that a lot of people wouldn't be willing to do. Just like I moved to Valdor, Quebec. I didn't even know where it was. You have a girlfriend or wife at the time? No. Anything? Nothing? Well, no. I didn't else. even know where it was. Yeah. Right? And I was just like, what am I supposed to do? Right? And I, uh, <laughs> so I took it and I move up there and everything. And it was, that was a great experience. And it was, a, uh, it was wild, like to go up there and like, like there's nothing like sitting in your office, like, because my office was right off the dressing room. Yeah. And like at X, like you'd be able to sit by the room and like hear the boys chat and like hear the banter in the room. Yeah, you had no, I had no idea what was going on in that dressing room at any time. Really? Because we had no English guys on the team. We had our whole team was French. Wow, talk we had, about a challenge. We had two Russians, two Russians, and their English was like very limited as yeah. Russian players. I need tape stick. Pretty much, yeah. that's what you were getting out yeah. of them. And then the French guys, like most of them were pretty good like pretty bilingual and like we're able to have conversations and stuff but like there were definitely a couple of guys that like struggled in english right they were predominantly french language especially the guys that were like from that region where it's very very french you're not yeah. going to find a lot of english up there right yeah. we made it work yeah i knew the basics i knew what a stick was i knew what skates were like all that kind of stuff right yeah. so it worked out and like i had a good year up there we had a great staff it was fun and uh, i have nothing bad to say about that organization or anything about Valdor, like I enjoyed my experience. I wouldn't be here if I didn't uh, go up there. So you were there for one year, you said. One season, yeah. And uh, then right after that, right to Halifax. Yeah, I came here last year. So yeah. how did the Halifax interview go, and how did that come about? Uh, funny enough, I was actually in the Czech Republic with the uh, Canada Canadian ball hockey team at the World Championship. Is Terry Ryan on that team? So yeah, he's on the men's team. I was doing like the junior level team. Okay. So like this would have been like the U seventeen age group, basically. Okay. So like I had a bunch of like. OHL and Q draft picks like Zach Dean who plays for uh Gatineau was on our team he was our best player and our captain we had a bunch of guys from the OHL who had gone in their OHL draft and everything like no it was way. a high a pretty good team I went I've gone a couple years with them and it's a pretty cool experience like I didn't know that you could play Czech or hockey and Czech ball hockey out there oh yeah it's, it's huge I mean, it's crazy over there really? like the crowds are f like packed it's insane like the first game I was thinking like like Is it's it a frog uh, we were just outside of Prague that year. We would have been in uh, Cheska Trebova is what it was, okay. the name of the city. Very small town. It's like going back in time when you go over to those places. It's I've very, been to Prague, it's lacrosse there, very yeah. like USSR still. Like yeah. it's kind of a, like an odd uh, feeling, but it's like cool spots, yeah. like really cool spots. Beautiful, beers cheap, beautiful yeah. beers cheap, yeah. beautiful place. Um, but we were over there, and we were actually playing in the semifinal the next day to go to the gold medal game. Yeah, my phone rang at. Uh, like one o'clock in the morning and it was basically somebody just telling me that this job was going to be opening because Chris was going to Laval and I was like holy right like that's like yeah right like that's, that's right in my house. wheelhouse yeah. big time right yeah. big time and you grew up here no I grew up in Woodstock New Brunswick okay yeah. sorry yeah, we, yeah but okay, like sorry. it's still a maritime team and it's I have the connection yeah. where I've like worked here a little bit before and filled in I know the staff I like all the staff and like the biggest thing for me, like, and this isn't, this is not even close to a shot at Valdor or any other organization. This is like the London Knights out here, right? You look at this and this is like a tier of like, you, this is a high end organization, right? And you're looking at it and you're thinking, if I'm going to, like, I thought about it this way. I'd love to move up and work in the AHL or the NHL, right? And I think working in Halifax maybe can 
like maybe help that situation a little bit more than working elsewhere would. And the biggest difference would be that I just like hold this organization to such a high regard, right? I think it's a great organization. I think everybody that works here does a fantastic job. I think that this is a premier organization at the CHL. And I thought in my head, if I'm going to stay in junior for the rest of my life and have a long career in the CHL, I want to work for the Halifax Mooseheads. Your some of your facilities are nicer than some of the ones in the NHL. I've talked to guys that have been drafted to the NHL, mm-hmm. and some of them say, "Yeah, Moosehead stuff is way better than yeah our some practice, NHL our facilities. practice facility in Dartmouth is unbelievable. It's an unbelievable space, and who doesn't want to play in the Scotiabank Center? Don't you can't ask a junior if a junior player has told me that they didn't want to play in the Scotiabank Center, they're lying. Even playing beer pickup hockey in the Scotiabank Center is unreal. It's a fantastic it's rink, especially when you get ten thousand in there. There's I remember the first night, like when filling in for Macker a couple years ago. You come in and like I'm coming from AUS Barnes, right? We're play like I remember my last game with X before I came to fill in here was at the Forum against Dal, and yeah. there might have been eighty four people there. Right, like that yeah. was always dressed like a seat night, yeah. right? <laughs> and uh, we, uh, and that's the, and that's a, that's an absolute crime against hockey, in my opinion, because that is the most underrated hockey in Canada, maybe North America. Like you, like I, honestly, if you gave me the choice between watching a lot of other levels, I'm picking you sports because it's it's a it's a very high end level. The players are so underrated there. It's it's it's. It's a step away from the NHL. It's like it's, it's there. definitely from pro. Definitely, pro. like you got to think teams like UMB or St. FX or St. Mary's Acadia, they can give an AHL team a run if they feel yeah. like it. Like you look at that U Sports World Junior thing every year, right? Yeah. The like the, the not like it's on sports, not the games. It's, yeah, and you and U Sports often wins. Like they're like it's been pretty fifty fifty since they started doing that, right? Yeah. And they, it's a very underrated level of hockey and. I think the crowd, like, more people should be going to those games. Students and stuff, like, if you're not going, like, you should be taking an advantage of going to those games. But, uh, yeah, I remember that first night walking out on the bench at the Scotiabank Center. I think we were playing Cape Breton, and it was, like, a Saturday night or something, the first home game. Yeah. And it's jammed in there right before Christmas, too, like like that last week before Christmas. Dude, you're talking about my first game ever with the Mooseheads. It was right before Christmas because the World Juniors was happening. Yeah. So all those boys were gone, the yeah, good yeah. guys, and I got called up. Same thing, right around Christmas time, walked out. It was packed. Same, it's it's same, insane, same, man. Same feeling. Like you don't know, like you're looking up and it's just like a wall of people and yeah. you're like, wow. Like I couldn't imagine being like a player. Like I even remember coming in as a visitor with Valdor. Like that one game that we came up to play, yeah, and like we had been playing all the big, we played all the big barns in Quebec. We had gone to Ramouski, we had gone to Quebec, we like seen the big crowds, but it's nothing like here. Like, and the crowd is so it's rowdy and it's loud, and like that's why it's so hard to play here. It is like you ask any player, any on any opposing team. Like I'm sure you've heard this before. I think Gareth actually said it on when he was on here. Uh, it's always voted like top two or three hardest rinks to play in. Well, Quebec's too big. Quebec's a little, it's a little too big. And well, th- this is perfect right here. Quebec's an NHL rink. They're ready. Like they're just sitting there waiting for a team, right? And it'll, I'm sure, at some point down the road, it's going to happen. I hope. I so. hope so. But like, there's no promises. But like that rink is ready. Like it's a f- top-notch facility, and it's yeah. just wait. It's begging for an NHL team. But the problem with that is, is it just it's it's a little too big for junior. Where you've got a little bit of like emptiness in there, but That's what it's, Gareth said he's at the top. He feels like it's empty because there's no one on the because there's no bowl. one in that upper, uh, upper on the upper bowl, yeah. right? But it's uh, it's still what a great place to go. Yeah. It's uh, like I love that setup. It's one of the it's definitely yeah. one of the best road rinks, right? But uh, yeah, like what a feeling coming yeah. into that, and you're just like you stand there and like when this job opened, you're thinking about that. You're like, man, 
Like, how cool would it be to get to do that every night, right? Like, unreal. So then it was it was kind of it was a tricky situation though because I was still like I was under contract with Aldor, right? So when you were in check, yeah, yeah. And when I found out this job was open, and I wasn't going to make any contact with this team, obviously, because I'm not going to reach out to Cam if I'm still under contract somewhere else or to anyone within this organization because it's just it's not professional. It's not how you do things. Yeah. So what happened is I came home from that trip and I just called my general manager in Valdor and he was very understanding and accepting and just understood that I just wanted to go maybe a little bit closer to home, right? It was a hard, like... Good for him for understanding He understood, that. yeah, and he was good about it, so there was no no problems and they released me and allowed me to c- get in contact with the Mooseheads and I interviewed and ended up getting the job. What kind of questions did they ask in the interview? Uh, well, the big one that you get in every interview for this job is always like, what do you think what's the most important part of being an equipment manager to you? I've had that asked me in any interview I've ever had for any job in regards to being an equipment manager. And you just have to like, it's all about attention to detail. Like the team is bigger than you. And like, there's like, I have a response like pretty well ready for it at all times. Cause you it's know, in, yeah. you know, it's coming, right? You're in the mirror before the interview. Yeah. Like, here's what you're saying. Here's what you're saying. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you're all worked up, right. Just trying to calm yourself down before you actually go in. And, uh, yeah, that was basically it. I talked to Cam on the phone and we... Uh, oh, it was a phone interview. Yeah, I okay. was in New Brunswick. I had yeah. just gotten home. So I talked to Cam on the phone and we interviewed and it went well. And sure enough, he called me a few days later and here we are. That's awesome. Yep. That's really cool. Yep. I love everything that you're just falling into and then eventually you're hey, just man. Home. You're here in Halifax. Exactly. Home, but closer exactly. to home. Hey, it's way it's closer. Awesome. Way closer. It's only four hour. It's a four hour drive compared to a 20 hour drive. And it's a beautiful drive. That drive's unreal. Easy. It's uh, easy. Um, when I in the intro, I was talking about how like you know the Moosehead's prestigious and you know attention to detail is so big. Before you you even said attention to detail, I said it in the intro, mm-hmm. because when I was there, I just noticed that the the attention to detail was ridiculous. Talk about some things that you do that most people wouldn't know when it comes to attention of detail with that dressing room, folding the the jerseys in so every bar on the last name is out presented. Just talk about those little details that the average person listening would have no idea. Yeah, so uh, we would. Uh... It, well, it starts right in the morning, right? Like a game day is a long day. Game days for any support staff, athletic therapist, equipment manager, anybody. Game day is your longest day of the week yeah. for sure. You're looking at a 16 or a 17 hour day. But Simple. you love it. You love them. I don't even notice it, man. I grind Flies through it. By. I love it. Every second of it. So a typical day for me would be we would uh, we'd get in and if we were morning skate, it depends on if there's a morning skate or not, right? Sometimes there isn't. Sometimes there is. But uh We'll just, for sake of argument, we just won't, we'll say there was no morning skate. Okay. And we'll get in there, and the first thing we're going to do is, while it had, actually it would have started the night before. Gitch. Uh, we, well, we actually have two sets, because we have okay. two rinks, just to make everybody's life a little bit easier. But it would start the night before, we would practice on Thursday, and I would have a van ready to go, and we'd park the van right outside the doors in Dartmouth of the practice facility, and the players would come out with the bags and load the bags up into the van. And me and Jack Walsh and Mike Ross, who would be two of my assistants, we go down to the Scotiabank Center and we unpack that gear into their stalls so it's ready to go for the next day. What time of day? Oh, so this is the night before, sorry. Yeah, okay, so this okay, would sorry. be right after practice, probably about 5.30. It's okay. really fun going across the McKay Bridge in a, like a small cube van at 5.30. It's a great time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you deal with it and you get pretty good at it. I can drive that thing pretty well now. And um, we bring it down and we go right in and unload it all and unpack everybody get the fans and the heat going so it's all dried out the next day then we're going to come in the next day and we're going to get what time are you in though sorry oh, to interrupt 
eight thirty, nine o'clock in the okay. morning. Oh, not this too is no morning. This skate. is no morning. If it's okay. morning skate, it's way earlier than that. Yeah. But if it's no morning skate, then we're going in like eight thirty, nine, and we're gonna straighten up all the stalls. But they shouldn't be too too bad because we were the ones unpacking them, so they should be like pretty ready to go. Yeah. And then uh, we're gonna clean the whole place like top to bottom, like get it pristine looking, dusting, mopping, sweeping, everything, wow. anything that needs to be done. We'll do the whole place top to bottom, and then. Uh, after that, I'm gonna. What I do is I start doing the skates, and on game day I do everybody's. Every single guy that's really? playing, I do everyone. Interesting. Yeah. That's just if you don't want them done, you I won't do them. You can just tell me, right? Just but like, hey, Ray, don't worry about my skates. I'm good. Exactly, right? And that happens. Does it? Or okay. a guy texts me, right? If they don't want them done, but uh, for the most part, it's uh, it's pretty much just like I'll do everybody, and uh, we do it, and that takes me about two hours. Because you got about 20 pairs of skates, you want to make sure that you're doing them correctly and everything. So to buzz through them all, you're looking at about two hours. And while I'm doing that, that's while Jack is usually with me, he'd be like my right-hand man, Jack Walsh. And uh, I can't do it without him. Got to thank him. That's the shout-out right there for Jack. He had some like time in Pittsburgh or something. His Instagram. Yeah, well, he's he's pretty connected. He uh, Dana Hines? Yeah, he helps yeah. out there, and he helps out with uh, Nate and Sid and those guys in the summer, right? So he's been doing that forever. He does a great job. And he'll go around at that point and do like some small stuff, like make the Gatorade and he'll fill bottles and get everything ready for like the bench and everything while I'm doing the skates. And then usually he'll actually do a lot of the room and the jerseys. He'll get them all kind of set up and ready. And then I'll get the skates done. And then we go around together at the very end there and just make the final adjustments to those jerseys. So like the biggest things that we do is like little attention to details. Like we put the socks right in the pants. We fold them up into like a tiny little square and put them in the pants. Like just like sitting oh, so in the pants. Kind of, not really. We kind of tuck them up in, but they're in the like pants. Right. So they're easily accessible and you're not going to miss them. You, if you're putting the pants on, you're yeah. going to see the socks. Yeah, right. I got you. I got you. <laughs> you got to kind of do that with some of these players sometimes. Right. It's got to be, it's got to be simple. <laughs> right. Because there's a lot of times that you get the, Hey, Ryan, I don't have any socks. And you walk in and they're, it's like they're sitting on the bench in their stall. And it's like, man, they're right there. Lift a towel, buddy. <laughs> yeah, right exactly, right? <laughs> and then with the jerseys, everybody does the jerseys different, right? Like every equipment guy's got their own things with yeah. the jerseys, how they like their jerseys to hang, right? I do, uh, I flip up my hangers. So I put my hangers upside down and then hang it on like the like wide oh, yeah. part. So that kind of shoulders. puffs out the shoulders, right? And what we do is uh, we do logo out. Because the team's the team's bigger than the person. Ooh, it's all about the logo, not the name on the back. I like right? that. It's all about the logo, not the name on the back. So we go logos out, and what we do is we fold the sleeves of the jerseys over so that their numbers are out. So like the sleeve kind of comes across the body, and you got the side shoulder, uh, like the side arm uh, numbers, and they're like popped out so that you can like see oh, their numbers. It kind of looks like it'd be like if you were sitting like with your arms kind of like crossed. In the front. Okay, I got you. Yeah, I and got it's you. just pops their numbers, so there's a little bit of personality there to yeah. their, their jersey, and yeah. that's how we set it up. We get it ready to go, and then it sits it sits like that for two or three hours, really, and then then uh, when the boys do video is usually when my room gets a little bit messed up because they got to pull the screen down and bring the <laughs> bring the projector in and everything, but Joey's always usually pretty good. Joey uh, Perricone, our video coach okay. and goalie coach, uh, he always comes in at about 5.15, 5. 10 and he's like man is it okay if i uh, mess up your room now and i'm like yeah it's fine dude go for it <laughs> that's funny yeah i love that attention to detail that's good stuff yeah man it's huge like we do everybody straps up like every piece of equipment the straps get done up so like i do all the stri- like because yeah. most guys will just rip off their shoulder pads or elbow pads and just throw them in the stall right mm-hmm. so like we do up all the straps on the shoulder pads we do up all the straps on the on the elbow pads yeah 
just because we don't want i don't want like straps like kind of hanging down like yep. so because you'd notice it right like well i mean most people wouldn't i do if i walk <laughs> into a room and i see like straps and stuff like hanging and like i just find it doesn't look yeah like what it should like it's yeah. like the biggest aspect of our job is the presentation of that room to the players and my biggest belief is if your players aren't walking in every single day or your staff's not going in every day and going like wow look at this room you're not doing your right the right job right well like said. it's like every day like especially for these kids right like these kids like some of these kids this is the highest level they're ever playing right like some of these kids it's the queue and then that's it right like you're not going any further like we might play you sports but some kids don't so you want them to look back at this and be like, man, do you remember like what those rooms looked like and how cool it was? And like, yeah. there's no, there's not a better feeling than like when a player comes up to you afterwards, it's like, man, the room looks sick. You're like, perfect. You're doing a good job. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask about the, uh, the roster and the things, how early do you ever get a roster before, before you hang up the jerseys or do you hang up everyone's oh. jersey and how does that side of it work? Like in regards to like healthy scratches yeah. and stuff. So yeah, I would get, uh. Basically, it's just like on game day, yeah. like that morning before we kind of do the jerseys, I'll text one of the coaches or one of the coaches will text me and just tell me who, who's out. Okay. Right. I'll find out the day of, right? Okay. Like if there's morning skate, it's usually right after morning skate, you find out who's not going to be on. Okay. But if there is no morning skate, then you've got like, I don't know, around like 11 or 12 probably yeah. in the morning, like 11 a.m., 12 p.m., I'll text one of the coaches or JJ will text me and just be like, yeah, this, these guys aren't playing. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and then I wanted to ask about your relationship with like Bauer reps, CCM reps, when everyone comes to try on their yep. skates and sticks as well. Like mm -hmm. I know training camps coming up. So, yep. you know, how many sticks do you order? Like what's your budget? Like how do you organize that? Cause it's a lot of people coming, a lot of people going, yep. How do you keep that all organized? Uh, yeah, you gotta be pretty organized to like manage all that. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff that goes on and, uh, when it comes to like the reps, like I have great relationships with all the reps, yeah. like Joe with CCM and uh, Mike with Bauer and Mario with True. Like we have good relationships. Like we're talking, I talk to those guys every day, right? For the most part, especially like Joe, the CCM rep. Tell him to bring some sticks over if you talk to him every day. <laughs> I'm running low. Love it. He, uh, he literally, like we talk a lot yeah. and like we, I have great relationships with all of them and they like, it might be a little bit different this year because of like the whole traveling and everything right now, but, uh, they always come in the camp and like fit guys for skates and work on stick things with guys. And yeah. we always have like a full day with each other. And like, it's, it's always a good time. Like, and Joe, and like most of the reps will visit two or three times a year just okay. to kind of like make sure. Or if like you have like a really high profile team, it's a little bit more. Right. And that's yeah. understandable. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they, uh, I have great relationships with all of them. And then when it comes to the sticks, it's like, the best way I can, like, best thing that I would say about the sticks is it's like, if the player needs sticks, he's getting sticks. Right. Like we're never going to like, like as long as it's reasonable, like some guys can be a little unreasonable with the amount of sticks they go through. And you just got to tell them like, dude, like I know, like you might have a like idea in your head of how this works, but it's not how this works. Yeah. Like there's got to be justification. Like we're not just giving out sticks like candy. Right. Yeah. Like it's like, I better see it in two pieces if you want to stick. Yeah. Right. Can't it's, be a nick on the blade. And right? I better not see you break it on purpose either, or then you're paying for the stick. <laughs> That's what all the junior guys say when they come yeah. here. They're like, man, sticks are, you don't get them, but you do get them, but you got to be careful with what, when you want them because, yep. you know, the trainer could get pissed because you're taking advantage of the system. That's it, right? Like, if a yeah. guy is, I pay attention. I keep a track. Yeah. Like, I know who's going through twigs, right? And if one guy is just like all of a sudden, like, there's a lot of phantom breaking. Yeah. To describe it, right? Yeah. If, like, I don't see a break on the ice and then all of a sudden the next day it's broken. It's like, dude, how'd that happen? Where'd that happen? 
because I didn't see anything happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm on, I'm on the bench. <laughs> like I'm like a hawk out there. I'm looking for twigs. The boys, the coaches, like Johnny Greenwood and those guys make fun of me because I'm just like every time I'm on the bench, it's like I flinch a little bit when the twig breaks, right? Because you're just like, come on, yeah. man. Like don't do this to me right now, especially like. Like, especially when a guy goes through a lot, right? Like, you're just trying to maintain inventory and, like, keep enough on hand for guys. Yeah. And, like, sometimes, like, with production times and stuff, stuff just happens, right? Like, yeah. and you just run out. It just happens. Yeah. Like, not very often. You might, like, I've had it only happen once or twice ever. And it's just, like, occur- like it's just freak accidents. Like, in Valdor one year, like, in Valdor last, last season, I had a... Uh, a guy break five sticks in one game. Who can you say? I'm not gonna drink name drop. Damn like it. that. It was Baron. And all this was when, this was when I was in Valdor, oh, not Valdor, when I was in Halifax. Sorry. Okay. But I had one guy in Valdor go through five in a game. Oh. Yeah, two in the first period, two in the second, one in the third. So what did you do? Run to Cleves? Well, no, we had enough like oh. there, but like at the end of that game, like I was like, dude, like up your flex a bit. You let's don't go. let's. We got to do something with this because like I don't have like it's gonna take six to eight weeks to get sticks in, which because kids don't get that. Kids think, like, it's just unlimited resources and we have them at all times. No, that's not how it works. Like, we still have to order them and it takes time for them to make the sticks and they come in, right? That's why, like, for all the junior players that are listening, if you ever see your equipment, I get annoyed when you go, are my sticks here yet? That's why. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're just, they're waiting for them just like you are, right? Just like an Amazon package. Yeah, it's like, come on, like, where are these sticks, right? But that, and, but CCM and those, and those come, like, CCM is who we use here. And for the most part, and they're great. Yeah. Like if I call Joe and I'm like, man, like I'm in a jam right now. Like I need some sort of a solution. Yeah. They'll find us something that's close enough to the kid's pattern and stuff that, like most of these, and a lot of the kids use P28 or P92 anyway. And what that's like the I don't more, know what that is. What's that? Like Sackick okay. and like Crosby, basically. They right? don't call them Crosby or Sackicks anymore. They call them. No, like a, well, no one really like every company has like a different name for it, right? Okay. Like a like. And they change all the time. Like Sackick, like P92 and Bauer, Sackick was like, when I started doing this, yeah. it was Backstrom, right? When I was at St. FX, it was a Backstrom curve. Yeah. Then it was an Ovechkin curve. Yeah. Now it's a, Ma- then it was a Matthews curve. And I don't even know what it is anymore. Like what the retail name of that curve oh, is. I hate that. And, uh, but they like, that's what most guys use would be like P28 or P92. Those are the two most common curves that you see. Yeah. So like a P92, a Sackett curve, that's pretty easy to deal with if a guy runs out, right? It's a common curve. It's the com- most, most common, common curve. Yeah. But like I said, that doesn't happen very often. It's just when those freak accidents, like they're like those freak situations like that happen where a guy goes through like three and four in like a day. And you're like, how does that happen? Like when I first got here uh, last year in like September, I will give this guy a shout out, uh, was Walter Flower. Okay. He was going through twigs like it was nothing last year in like September, October, right? Yeah. Right after we had made the team. There was just like, we ended up up in his flex, but there seemed to be, there was a problem with that batch of sticks, which can happen. Like sometimes stuff goes wrong. Interesting. Right? It's like anything else. Like yeah. you're making so many things. Like sometimes there's little like problems with like the batch, right? There's like a little crack in them. Yeah, yeah. Or like they're maybe like a little, like they're not solid in one little area, right? And they're like breaking all in the same spot every time. Like mm. Flau was like, the problem with it was, like, I knew it wasn't intentional because I was watching practice. He's he couldn't take a one-timer. He'd go to take a one-timer, snap, 
He'd take a, he'd, I'd give him a brand new twig. He'd go out there, first one-timer, snap. Bad batch. Right? Bad batch. And that happens, and it's no one's fault. It yeah. ha- can happen in anything. It's the right? machine that makes it. Right. Yeah. Like, sometimes you go to the grocery store, and you buy a carton of milk, and it goes bad on you the next day, and you're <laughs> like, what happened? Like, <laughs> bad batch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Like, it just kind of occurs. And so, that's, like, the stuff you kind of got to juggle, because you always have to be prepped for, like, anything. It almost seems like you're thinking four steps ahead. Have to. Have to. Have to. You got to be prepped. Yeah. You have to be prepared for like any like any situation that occurs. Like what happens if a tendon guard comes off in the middle of a game on guy, a guy's skate? Your best player. What are you going to do? What's a tendon guard again? The back like the back piece of the oh, skate yeah, that yeah, protects yeah. your Achilles tendon. Yeah. And uh like those come off. Like though like they can come off. Like they'll rip off or like problems occur. Like we had a player last year he lost one mid-game. So now you've got a situation where you've got like middle of the period and it's one of your top 6 forwards and What'd you, you make him do? Uh, he took the skate off, and I ran and drilled three holes into the boot of the skate, and we had a Nash. Nash is a sports like company, like a hockey company that built like makes a lot of gear repair kind of stuff. Yeah. So I had one of the Nash tendon guards, which is basically like you put it on, you follow the outline, drill the three holes, and then you rivet it. Like you copper rivet it onto the boot. Really? Yeah, and it worked. Like we got it on there, and it was uh, it held up for like probably like two, three games, and I had to redo it, and then uh, his new pair, and when, then by then his new pair of skates come in, and we were all good anyway. Do you like to have the guys, The do you like to make sure that they have an extra pair of skates? Like, do yes. you like it when there's four skates in the bag? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I try as hard as I can to get guys to do that. Like, yeah. sometimes guys will forget, and that happens, and that's not a big deal. But we try, like, they'll get a new pair. Like, yeah. if they get their new pair from us, then we say their old pair, let's keep them in the stall in the bag just in case something like that happens. And Absolutely. I just don't have time, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Because, like, like, what happens in that situation, we were fortunate that it was just, like, towards the end of a period and, like, we could make it work. What happens if it's three minutes in and it's your best player and you're going on the power play? The guy who's getting looked at for not him not being able to go on the ice is me, not the player. It has nothing to do with the player. It's me. So that's why you see equipment guys with the multiple sets of blades and like we're kind of prepped like it's like a pit crew in nascar we have to be ready i like that analogy right? we have to be ready NASCAR. like yeah like if that's why you do the backup blades right like if you've got your a star player blows an edge in a 2-2 game with four minutes left in the playoffs yeah and you're gonna look at the head coach and you're gonna be like yeah so and so uh He's going to miss the next four or five minutes because i got to go sharpen his skates. Uh-uh. That's not what they want to hear. Yeah, They want to see me come down, pop those blades out, stick the new ones in, click, good to go. What a great invention those Gr- were. Best invention they what ever. A gr- that's like, like the wheel. Same thing. Seriously, like, I, like, I've been fortunate where those have existed pretty well the entire time that I've done this. Since right? 2014. At yeah, so like light around. speed edge was already kind of out by then, which yeah. is the name of that talk, yeah. right? And... Uh, I've been pretty fortunate that it's only been the trigger skates. Yeah. Because, like, like, the old way of doing it with, like, going down into the boot and everything, like, that would just... You got to take the sole out. Yeah, it's just, like, that would be a lot longer than just being able to click in and click out, right? It's the best invention that those skate companies ever came up with, in my opinion. Like, what an invention that was. And a way to make more money because people buy more blades. Right, because it's easy. Exactly. Because it's easy to just flip them. Like, you, you even see kids now, like... You see minor hockey kids who are like 12 years old that have like three and four sets of blades because it's just so easy. You can get them all sharpened. Yeah. And then you go to a tournament and you're not driving around some random town and like wherever you are looking for somewhere to get your skates sharpened and hoping that they do a good job. Right. Because that's a, that can happen with some of those pro shops. Right. They find a guy like you when you first started. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Right. And like, well, that happens. Right. And that's why having those sets, like you can take them to your guy before. 
you go to said tournament, right? Have them sharpen all of them. And then when you need them done, you can just click the new ones in and you're good to go. Easy. Right? Easy. What an invention. How Seriously. do you sharpen them though if they're not connected to a skate? So yeah, that's a that's a good question. Uh, you can uh we have this thing, a company called Custom Skate Works in St. Louis makes it. It's Saint like uh it's like a uh it looks like a white like little holder and it's got like uh clasps on it. And it puts the blade right in there, and you oh, yeah. lock it. Yeah. And then you can put that whole thing right on the holder. Just the blade, not yeah, the skate. Yeah, and it just holds the skate so that it's stable. Cool. Like, uh, it holds the blade so it's just stable and easy to sharpen. Because, like, you could, like, if you didn't have that, you could put it right on the holder and just try to get it, like, kind of in a good position and yeah. then clamp it, and yeah. it's good to go. But that's, like, it's not as, like, it's not as good as using an actual, like, item that's made yeah. to do this, right? Yeah. So... It makes it a lot easier, right? Because that's like I actually prefer sharpening like that instead of in the boot. Yeah. Interesting. Like I will sharp, I will sharpen in the boot like most of the time, just for sake of yeah. ease and quickness. But uh, I find when you sharpen without the boot, like I don't know, there's something because like there's no weight on the back end and stuff. I just find it does a better job. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. I just prefer it. It's just it's a prefer- feel. It's all yeah, feel. Yeah, it's just a prefer something I prefer, I guess. Yeah. You said toe to heel or heel heel to toe? I'm toe to heel. Toe to heel. Yeah. So everyone listening that's starting a job at Cleves next week, or you're starting to heel to <laughs> toe. Uh, toe to heel. Toe to heel. Sorry. Toe to heel. Toe to heel. Don't yeah, mess well, that up. Oh, but you can, man. I know guys who sharpen heel to toe who are great skate sharpeners. It doesn't make any difference. It's just you, man. It's like... all. It's so. It's just like skate sharpening is one of those things where it's just everybody does it different. Everyone's always going to do it different. Everyone has their own things that they do. Yeah. There's no universal accepted way okay. to sharpen skates. Okay. Right. Everybody's going to do it different. Every single guy. Okay. Like I like if you if we went around and asked every. All seventeen other guys in, in my league, yeah. how they do skates? I guarantee everybody does them different. Yeah. Everyone does them different. Okay. Just how it goes. All right. Yeah. Um, you mentioned chin straps earlier before, and you said in the dressing room you <laughs> yeah. like them to be nice and tucked away so they're not dangling. Yeah. I remember a big thing in our junior A team in the Marauders. Mm-hmm. Guys like to go out there with warm up with their chin strap no, hanging. No, yeah, no. I was gonna say. So what's your <laughs> rule of thumb? How do you make sure that no one goes out there with a? a That's vet? actually a league rule. It's you a league gotta, rule. Yeah. But guys still do it. Oh, so yeah. my question is, I guess, are you waiting at the front of line when they go out to make sure so, everyone's Yeah, so clipped? pretty much what happens is, that's a league rule. You have to have your chin strap done up and warm up. The guys that are buzzing around out there without one done up are breaking a rule. Okay. Like, guys have been fined for that. Like, big name guys have been fined for that. You can go back in the history of the league. I've seen Suspensions this. and fines and go find some big names that have been fined for that. And I'm sure the team's paying the fine, not the player. Uh, well, it, comes out it, would, the it would probably depend on the team and, like, how that goes, right? Yeah. Like. I don't know. It's not the team's fault. It's if the especially if the equipment guy's standing there telling them to do the chin strap up, yeah. right? Like that's, that's kind of on the player. And then at that point, players calling mom like, "Mom, I need money. My chin strap." <laughs> that's all dependent on organization, right? Yeah. And uh, but yeah, like that's a league rule. Mouth guards too, and especially like you in can't, warm up, you yeah. have to wear a mouth guard, and you can't patty cane them either. Like wa- skating around with it half hanging out of your mouth, like which everyone does. Yeah, like that's a say. ten minute misconduct in a game. Refs will tell you and put you in the box. They don't care for warm up. You have to have a mouth guard in. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. It's for insurance purposes, right? What if a kid gets hit in the face and loses 50, like wow. five or six of his teeth, right? Wow. Like you got to wear a mouth guard and you got to wear a neck guard and you got to wear your chin strap. Oh yeah, you guys have to wear neck guards. Oh yeah. big time, yeah. A big Absolutely. thing for us was because everyone hates the neck guard. A lot of mm-hmm. people do, and a lot of people fold it. Yeah. Do you ever have any you ever like on Can't, guys about? You're that? not allowed to do that either. That's against the rule too. Yeah. No tape. No or, tape. No, no alteration now what a lot of guys do is they'll like wet them the under iron, the sink the iron too you i've never i've iron. never seen the iron but like because i don't give a kid an iron i'm never gonna give a kid an iron if you ask <laughs> hey me boys here's the iron yeah get <laughs> no thanks that's not happening and uh but what will happen is uh they'll like wet it and then fold it down yeah and put it on their necks and stuff and like 
I don't like it, but it's it's and like I get on them about it. But if the ref isn't going to say anything about it, like they're not going to listen to me about it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> like, I gotcha. but yeah, you asked me. You've you know where the, our room is at the Scotiabank Center. Yeah. I stand right in front of the door, like where they come out to go onto the like. Yeah. If they're coming out of our dressing room, I'm like right there in front of that door, right by the rubber. So you come out of our room and then you turn left. And you're going towards the Zamboni entrance where we skate out under the big inflatable moose. Oh, for the moves. game, you mean. Yeah. And then on okay. the right, you're going towards the bench, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For warm-up. Yeah. And I just stand there because I fist bump them all before they go out. Yeah. And while I'm standing there, if I see a guy who doesn't have a neck guard on or his chin strap up, done up, it's like, chin strap, Let's neck go. guard, mouth guard, yeah. like that. Let's And the boys will laugh because they hear me. Like, like, certain guys will try to get away with it, right? You'll see guys go out on the ice and start buzzing around with their shin strapped on undone. And I get out to the bench and I have no shame. I don't care. I will lean over those boards and scream Good from you. our bench. Like neck guard, neck guard, what neck guard, chin strap. And it like, especially when we get into like February and March and stuff. And like the team's been going for six or seven months and they know my rules and stuff. But then I don't have a lot of patience for it. Like you're yeah. going to, you're going to get an earful yeah. if you're going out there and trying to do that stuff. Right. We're coming up on an hour here. Do you, do you still have time? Like, I got a couple more questions and stuff. Yeah, You're sure. Good? Go. Yeah. Um, road trips. Sure. Packing. Yep. Extra jerseys. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you packing to make sure? Like you said, you're always thinking four steps ahead. But yep. when you're in the middle of Rouen yep. and you don't have anything nearby to, sure. to help you, I heard a rule of thumb is that trainers help other trainers. Big time, massive. So I guess yep. just talk about a road trip experience. You know, let's say you're on the road for ten days. Or what are you packing? And yep. are you communicating with the trainers? The, the, you know, a couple of days before, like, sure. hey, listen, D- uh, Bob, we're coming to Rouen. Yeah. Just make sure, you know, is the room ready? Is there anything I need to know? Yep. Like, How does that work? So, yeah, basically how that would work is, like, once I get the schedule, I kind of start working through it with, like, our general manager and our coaches and stuff about when our road trips are actually going to occur and, like, how we're going to do things if we're going up the night before, yeah. if we're going day of, if we're going to stay after the game, like, all that kind of stuff. Right? Do you know if you're going to fly, too? Like, you'll know. Usually before. we'll find out, yeah, yeah. like, within a month okay. uh, before, right? And we'll find all that kind of stuff out and – I'll communicate that to the trainer because the trainer's got to know when we're coming in so that he can meet us. He's also got to know if we're coming in like wet or dry, if our laundry is going to be wet, like if we skated along the way and all that stuff because like we help each other huge on the road, right? Basically like we look after the visitors when they're here and they look after us when we're here. So we're doing all their laundry for them and we're, uh, we provide their tape, we provide their Gatorade, we provide the water bottles, towels, shampoo, all that stuff is provided by us. Yeah. And then it's returned when we come back on, when we go on the road. Yep. Interesting. So you don't have to travel with all that much stuff, right? It's to cut down on the actual amount of stuff that you That's have to so bring smart. with you. Because it's how we look at it is it's like it evens out. The amount of money right. The amount of money I would spend on all the stuff I'd bring on the road is yeah. saved by the stuff that you're giving us, but then it still works out where yeah. we provide that to you when you come here. So it's just it's even for everybody, right? Yeah. Like the Gatorade, the tape, the water, like everything. It's so all like we roll in and it's all there for us. Okay. Yeah, it's that, all, that helps so much. Huge. It's massive. It's when you come from the AUS where that doesn't happen in the AUS. You're bringing everything. You're even bringing Gatorade jugs with you uh, in the AUS, uh, right? You don't even bring water bottles. You don't bring pucks. You don't bring anything. Now, I bring tape with me because, like, you get some guys who prefer the brand of tape that we use compared to the brand that other teams use because mm. everybody uses different stuff, right? Really? And, I thought it was just one. No. It, what's the uh, what is it? What's what's the brand you guys use? We use uh, we use uh, it's sold by Forte, oh. and it's uh, Compo Stick. Like it's the yellow inside. That's North American Tape Company. I thought it was Howie's. No, no, no. no. We no the Howie's is a popular one, and then Blue Sports is very popular, and uh, Renfrew, and there's a few of different ones. Yeah, there's a bunch no of different idea. tape companies. Okay, but it's all like 
Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say one's better than the other. It's just yeah. it's tape, right? It's, it's tape. all preference. And uh, but they, uh, yeah. So we'll bring like a little bit of stuff like that, and we'll bring like jerseys and like a tr- a couple different trunks with like everything you could imagine that you might need. We have it with us. Yeah. Like we think of every scenario, right? Like you've yeah. got blades, you've got. Like literally everything, anything that you could possibly need, we have it with us. And then if you forget something or you don't have it, yeah, every trainer's pretty good. To like, if I say I come to a game and I need an ear loop for a helmet, like a guy broke his ear loop and I don't have an ear loop, right? Yeah. Say that happens, then I'm gonna walk down to the other side to the other trainer and just be like, say if I was in St. John, I'd be like, hey Tyler, man, like I forgot an ear loop. Can I borrow an ear loop from yeah. you? Yeah, no problem. Here you go. And then I just give one back to him when he comes to Halifax. I remember when I first I got called up to a game in Cape Breton and they had my last name on the jersey. So I was thinking, mm-hmm. okay, wait a second. So that means they had to bring extra letters in a trunk, sew it on a name bar. Yep. So are you bringing extra letters? Yeah, just we in have case a letter. Kid gets... Yeah, we have a letter and kit, and we have blank name bars at all times. And I bring a sewing machine on the road. So like, if <laughs> that's a, that's crazy. so if something was to go on, and you got to bring a bag, like I bring a full couple bag hockey bags of gear, like pants and gloves and helmets and stuff. So if a kid gets called up, we can outfit them right there on the road. Yeah, because right? you have to. Yeah, because he, he's do? not going to. What I'm mean, not going to send him out there in blue pants, yeah. playing for the Mooseheads, right? Yeah. Like it's not going to happen. You guys have so much gear because you guys have third jerseys, like a bunch yeah. of third we have jerseys. third jerseys, and we do special nights and all that yeah. kind of stuff, right? So we have a lot of moving parts, and then we've got the blue set of gear too for the Battle of Nova Scotia. Those the blue are beautiful, helmets, beautiful. Yeah, that's gear. those. That's that's yeah. a favorite. I like that night. Oh, yeah. Those few times that we wear them. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you got to have all that stuff with you. You got to be ready to go. Now, when it comes to actual name bars, if I know in a couple days in advance that we're going to call a kid up, I'll have uh, either the Moosehead shop, because they have the ability to do that. They'll do a full name bar for me right there. What do you mean the Moosehead? Oh, like the like, fan shop? Yeah, like oh, yeah. the one in uh, Scotia Square. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no way. Yeah, they have the ability to do like custom names on jerseys, so yeah. they have all the name bar material. Yeah. So if, for example, uh, kid's getting called up on Friday night, and I know on like Wednesday, I'll just text the guy that runs the shop, Shane, and I'll just be like, hey, man, like I need a name bar with this name and this color. <laughs> no way. And he'll have one ready for me, and I'll pick it up at the store. Yep. That a boy, Shane. That's great. Yeah, I he love does a, that. Yeah, he does, he's pretty helpful in that. It's a, it's pretty awesome. Uh, and then we work with Cat Stitch in Ontario, Ken Catania. Okay. He does all our jerseys, all our game jerseys. Like, that's where my, my game jerseys are there right now, and that's really? he's going to number them all and put the name bars on. He does for that this, for this season yep. coming up. Oh yeah, he does. He does it every season for us, cool. and he also does like the CHL All Star games, and he does majority of the AHL or more majority of the OHL and a few AHL teams, and like he's like the best <laughs> in the biz. Ken is the best in the biz when it comes to that stuff. Love it, and he's so fast. Like, yeah, he's like, like if I get like, say we had a trade on like a Tuesday, and we have a new guy coming in, I have his jersey, Thursday, done, numbers, name, everything, all three that day, green, wow. like. Like if say we, if he got traded Tuesday, I'd have him by Thursday, oh, no problem. Okay. Forty eight hours. Wow, I have them. Wow. Yeah, and he'll be even quicker. Like say if he got traded on Thursday and we played on Friday, I'd have him on Friday from Ontario. He'll wow. do them right then and there and overnight them, and they'll be there. That's how you do business. Yeah, he is. He's the man. Ken's the man. Yeah, that's a have to give a shout out to Ken. He is the man. He makes my life a lot easier. That's crazy. Yeah. So right now, obviously, season's coming up. Yeah, Tra- you said ten days till training camp. Uh, what are we? Uh, we got 12 days. We, I think we, oh yeah, we open on the 30th. So what, what's going through your head right now? What's on your to-do list? Like after this podcast, what are you doing? <laughs> well, I'll be, I'm going right back to the rink. Uh, are you going to the Scotiabank Center? No, I'll be going to the four pad. Oh, the four pad. Uh, but, uh. Were you there this morning? Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, it. I, I can't, it. I'm in between. Yeah, I was there this morning and then I'm going back after, but, uh. I appreciate you coming. Thanks. No problem, man. It's <laughs> great. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're just, yeah, me and Jack have been in there 
a lot recently just trying to get ready right getting prepared like building helmets and uh building helmets well they come like they come and they're just blank green helmets right so you got to put the visors on them oh, put stickers all on them sticker them off that. right and get everything ready to go and uh just getting organized getting ready like we got to get uh especially this year we got to do a lot of new stuff right with this with the new guidelines because of covid and everything right do you guys so, have masks like in the yeah like, there'll be masks yeah. and uh we'll take all the necessary precautions there's we've had a return to play committee within the league that's been working with like public health agencies and cool. the governments for all the respective provinces and everything and uh they're coming up with a plan and that's going to be safe for everybody yeah. right including staff and players and everyone right and I know they're still like working on maybe there might be there's potential for spectators in the Maritimes. Yeah, that's we, what uh, was saying yesterday. It's exciting. Hopefully, yeah, we uh, we don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's being worked Nobody on. Knows. That's being worked on between the governments and our business staff has done a fantastic job uh, pulling all this together in the last little while and making sure we're ready to go and. Uh, they, uh, they'll, I'm sure, whatever ends up happening, it'll be the safest, most responsible way for there to be spectators in the building. And, uh, so yeah, we're just trying to get prepped now. Like we've gotten a list and we're getting ready. bottles everywhere. Yeah. We're getting ready to go basically. And, uh, be ready to start on the 30th or the fur whenever we're going to go on the ice. Uh, (laughs) and, uh, that'll be, that'll be great. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, I love hockey, right? I wouldn't do this if I didn't love hockey, and I'm just excited that we're actually going to get started. Yeah, I'm pumped too, man. Trust yeah. me, it's going to be great for everyone. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, be fantastic. I can't wait. All right, Alex, thanks for coming on the podcast. Anytime. Man. I know man. you're a busy guy. I'm yep. sure I'll see you around the rinks here. Hopefully, media is allowed at the game. So we'll yeah, see we'll see. Happens. I'm like I said, I'm I'm not in the loop when it comes to that stuff. We'll see. Yeah. All right, so Alex, once again, man, thanks for coming on. I Anytime. hope I know yep. you're so busy. I always say like I hope you come back, but you're such a busy guy. So <laughs> maybe this time next year when yeah, maybe off season, off season next year we can talk. Yeah, awesome. Sounds good. Everyone listening, thank you very much much uh for tuning in it's tuesday summer's gonna be over soon so enjoy it as much as you can have fun stay safe we are out peace yeah sometimes we laugh sometimes we cry but i guess you know now baby i took a half and she took the whole thing slow down baby we took a trip now we on your block and it's like a ghost town Baby, where did these niggas be at when they said they doing all this and all that? Tired of beefing you bums, you can't even pay me enough to react. Been waking up in the crib, but sometimes I don't even know where I'm at. Please don't pay that nigga songs in this party, I can't even listen to that. Anytime that I run into somebody, it must be a victory lap. Hey, Shotty come sit on my lap. Hey, they saying Drizzy just snap. This in between us is not like a store, this isn't a closable gap. Hey, I see some niggas attack. And don't end up making it back I know that they at the crib Going crazy down bad What they had didn't last Damn, baby Sometimes we laugh Sometimes we cry But I guess you know now Baby I took a half And she took the whole thing Slow down Baby We took a trip Now we on your block And it's like a ghost town Baby where did these niggas be at when they say they doing all this and all that? I'm in the trenches, relax. Can you not play that little boy in the club? Cause we do not listen to rest. We in Atlanta, I buy her wig. She telling me Tay is the best. Point at the nigga who act like a killer, but you only one from the net. I'm like the baby, I'm not just a rapper. You play with me, you won't get stretched. Mm-hmm. Bring Drake to the hood. Surround Drake, round Drake's. 
it's hard to make So I bet they on their face right now I know that they at the crib going crazy down bad What they had didn't last, damn baby Sometimes we laugh and sometimes we cry But I guess you know now Baby I took a half and she took the whole thing Slow down Baby We took a trip, now we on your block And it's like a ghost town Baby Where did these niggas be at When they said they doing all this and all that When he tell the story, that's not how it went Know they be lying a hundred percent Moved out of the wrist and forgot about it been Now they just called me to tell me come get it Now that boy off and I don't want no credit If it was me, they wouldn't regret it Let me be dead and now they won't dead it Yeah Heart is still beating, my niggas still eating Backyard it look like the garden eating Pillow talk with him, she's spilling the tea And the shawty came back and said she didn't mean it Down bad, what they had didn't last, damn baby Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but I guess you know now Baby I took a half and she took the whole thing, slow down Baby We took a trip, now we on your block and it's like a ghost town Baby Where these niggas be at when they say they doing all this and all that 